The stories contained in this podcast are the recollections of the guests we've invited onto the show. We are an outlet for people to share their truths, and we accept no legal responsibilities for the stories contained herein. I'm Kendra Sheets. And I'm Rich Gill. And this is Enough, a podcast that aims to shine light into the darkened corners of the music industry while discussing the ways we can and should improve ourselves and in turn our community. Welcome back to another episode of the Enough Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kendra Sheets. I am your other host, Rich Gill. And we are very excited today to be bringing you our two guests. Um, I will have them introduce themselves and I'll try not to cut in and be like, oh my God, I love you both so much. But maybe I will. So we'll see how it goes. Hi, I'm Beck. Um, I'm a guitar player and a lead vocalist in a band called The Quirk. I also sub on guitar for a band called Bong Mountain, and I play lead guitar for Charlie Darling here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. She's lying. She shreds. She doesn't just play. She <laughs> fucking shreds. Totally. I try. <laughs> and I'm Bridget. I'm actually uh, from Grand Rapids as well, and I've been in bands for many years. Uh, my first band in Grand Rapids was called Soviet Union with all white males. <laughs> and then I was in a band called Doctor's Wives with two of my female friends. And now I'm in Flushed. We're on hiatus right now. But I also helped start Girls Rock Grand Rapids in our city in 2013 um, to help bring empowerment to gender fluid and female identified musicians in the, and artists in the community. Um, so I'm very happy to be here. Thank you, guys. Thank you both for joining us for very excited to talk about uh, this awesome project that you have embarked on and uh, to learn all about it. Yes. So the reason that we have you both on today is, as Rich kind of hinted at, you've undertaken a very large, almost intangible thing and created a tangible thing that I think is much needed not only in your community, but in our music community and the country as a whole outside of the community. Um, can you talk a little bit about what this magical thing might be? So the idea for the zine um, kind of came from a situation that came up and we're just like, you know, like we've seen these situations come up in our scene just over and over and over. And there's no like what to do. There's a lot of what not to do. We wanted to create something of like what to do so that there's a model or at least a very rough model, like somewhere to start at least, so that people can know like, okay, what is good behavior? What is supportive? What that looks like um, in our community of Grand Rapids. Yeah, and I would have to add to that, that as a female musician, female identified person, a lot of people trust me and come to me with things that they may not say to anyone else in the community. So I had had a lot of folks confide in me about ton of different situations that I was appalled by and also I couldn't do much about it because for their safety to protect them you know especially if they don't want to be out with that information you really can't go to the abuser and you know confront them because it could make it much worse it could be a dangerous situation for the victim so I thought that there was a very large lack of um, resources for these folks and Unfortunately, I was basically running out of capacity and feeling myself burning out from having folks come to me with, you know, extremely heavy, heartbreaking, traumatic stories that obviously need attention and care and love. 
So I really wanted to kind of lean on my network and my community. And we have so many amazing, strong people with brilliant minds, people that have so much information that they can't share often. So I really kind of contacted a few people that I thought were really well-versed in the story of abuse. Also people who have come forward or not necessarily, and folks that wanted to participate because they also were passionate about the issue. Um, And so we essentially formed kind of a very informal group. Um, And it was during the pandemic. So the beauty of that is that I at least had a lot more time to do something like this. So we were meeting in Zoom and stuff like that. And we kind of just started the ball rolling on what can we do? What are some ideas? Beck, I don't remember that first idea we had was kind of about having like people come and um, speak. Was that right? Yeah, so I think the original idea, because we were tossing a lot of ideas around in like a small like group, and we were trying to figure out, okay, like brainstorm just so like what can we do in our own community that can like raise awareness for people, kind of be a model of like how to support people and like what to do. And so one of the original ideas was to maybe have somebody come talk or like maybe do like trainings like over video with like a projector or something just to get conversations going in like a healthy direction but we eventually landed on a zine because we decided okay covid was still a thing and also we can think about the words (laughs) that we're saying a lot more than you know if it's just a training and also we're like okay if we start this maybe this will be a platform for other people to take it and maybe a transformative justice group will come in the future just something to start with yep and honestly the beautiful thing about it is that we found so many allies along the way that i guess i didn't know existed or maybe they did and they weren't that strong of a voice but so many folks stepped up and did some incredible work for us and i hope that that shows when it comes out because there were some writers some artists musicians, just tons of different people contributed in a small way, but together it came out pretty amazing in my opinion. We tried to get a lot of underrepresented people involved in it so that we could share our perspectives, especially the ones that are musicians. So we could share our perspectives, our stories. You know, I've only met a handful of people in my life that have been playing music and guitar, at least punk rock, as long as I have. And it's hard to find support with like exactly where you need it, your own experiences, because there is a lot of white men out there and, you know, they can show support for each other. But when an underrepresented person need support it's at least at my age or like older i know there's a lot more gen z right now but um it's hard to find i would agree and also having those campers from girls rock and seeing very young girls coming into this scene and i'm cultivating this so you know me and my friends are actually creating a platform for these women and the worst most doomsday thought is setting them up to go into an abusive situation or any kind of toxic environment, even at the smallest like level, that's just my worst nightmare because I know these people, they're incredible human beings. So I was like, we have to fix this. But I don't think that one zine, I, I feel like Beck probably can echo this. I don't think one zine is gonna fix anything. It's a huge issue, it's massive. So that's why when you know you read it, it does talk about like some very 
initial first attempt. And so if you have suggestions or if people want to dialogue or take it further, we want to open that door for other folks to be part of it because it's not really like, okay, I'm the president and you guys are on my committee. It's it's a communal effort. And it's, you know, it's interesting that you, you say that because the idea for the podcast was, okay, we can't change everything. You know, the hope is that maybe someone who listens will talk to other people or do something else. And then, you know, it's sort of that ripple effect. As individuals, you can't necessarily make a huge change, but lots of small changes do make a huge difference. Exactly. And I do think that if you leave it to yourself, like I was doing, it can feel very bleak and hopeless because it's, like I said, it's heavy and it becomes so much for one, one or a couple, even a few people like, and obviously this isn't replacing your friends or your super personal networks that you trust, but it's for those that don't really know where to turn even in the beginning, um, because, you know, you come out regarding that and it's somebody that's popular or somebody that's cool. And you're like putting your, you're putting a target on your back, honestly. And that's why a lot of folks don't want to come out and say that. So this also serves as a very private way for people to sort of relate to that without having to come forward necessarily. But my favorite part about it too, is that we are saying in there, like we are not mental health professionals. So we just want you to read this, be inspired, look at the books we offer and, you know, take it where you need to take it. But this is just our attempt to show you that we love you and we we care about what's going on in your life. Sounds like you've made some sort of instruction manual on what to do in certain situations when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. So at least I know on my own journey going into therapy and I read somewhere between two and 300 books in a couple of years. Following your Instagram is like the best because every time you post something on your stories about a book you're reading, I just screenshot it and then oh, add yeah. it to like my library queue for later because I'm like, this is just going to be really good. I, I already only know. post the good ones because yeah. like I've read so many bullshit books and like especially when I was first starting out of just being like, oh, this is how to be friendlier or something. And it's just like <laughs> this complete like bullshit book. Like step one be nice and you're like yeah thank you smile like how to have charisma and i'm like because in my head i was just like you know what's wrong with like i know something's not right but i don't know how to fix it and that was like the beginning of my search and so you know after a while you get really good at like sorting out okay this book is bullshit this is good and then you kind of get to like form these ideas (laughs) and just like okay this is healthy that book was just trying to make money um (laughs) And you kind of sort through them and get these ideas and then you're able to kind of like comprehend what's healthy, what's good, and also articulate it to other people after a while. Like I've had situations where it's just like, okay, my bandmate did something shitty. Like what what do I do? Like, you know, also being able to support everybody in your community is really important because we all don't just exist on islands. I'm a firm believer in like transformative justice and with the proper support, people can get the help that they need and actually become a really productive, I don't like that word, but (laughs) a really great part of the community, you know, kind of just being like, yeah, that thing you did wasn't cool. So like, let's figure out how you can make amends and continue to work on yourself and say you're sorry. And we touched on that like a little bit in the zine as well, but we also provide resources where people can look into it further if they like. I would have to say that the zine would not be possible without Beck's 
wealth of knowledge. <laughs> at the very beginning, it was just like a dump of information. And at first I was like, oh shit, this is so much information. How are we ever going to make this into something that can be actually processed? And honestly, that's such a good thing though. Beck was instrumental. I honestly could not have done it without her. I feel like we made such a good team. Yeah. We, right? We fucking <laughs> killed it. Um, and yeah, we fucking killed it. But basically I just felt like it was perfect because she really could sift through this massive amount of details that she's already kind of interpreted and understood and actually made it comprehensible for a normal regular person walking on the street that just grabs a zine you know like some people don't have the capacity like beck does to read that much the commitment or the time you know that's a lot and very heavy so what i love about it is that it kind of made it very digestible i think also it's it's really good to speak to these things in a way that i know that beck does like I think that people don't always have the language. They know that something may be good or bad or maybe make them feel this way or that way, but they don't know if there's a term for it, if there's a normal way to, a quote unquote, normal way to solve something, what your options really are. And the more that they're able to dive in and get definitions for some of these things, to look into the fact that these behaviors stem from trauma. They stem from other forms of abuse. This is not usually a person who just comes out of nowhere and starts acting this way. There's a reason they're acting this way and putting this onto you. Then you start to kind of connect the neurons in your own brain and start to kind of give titles and definitions to things that were the unspeakable is now becoming very tangible. And now you're able to deal with it a lot better because it's something that can be expressed back and forth between two people. Absolutely. And isn't that like validating as hell too? Because you read something and you're like, okay, I can completely relate to this and I'm not just alone in mm -hmm. this black room and I'm the only one that has experienced this because unfortunately this happens to so many of us at different levels, of course, right? Like I've been abusive. I know that I've made mistakes. Like that's the thing. I'm not on a high horse saying like blacklist all these people. Like that's the opposite of our goal. Um, I hope that that's clear as well Is you know, we really want for people to learn and not be isolated from the community for a mistake they made that they obviously probably regret. I mean, none of us are perfect. So definitely. Yeah. I just want to add to that too. It's just like, you know, every person in, in their life at some point has been harmful or said something hurtful or possibly abusive to another person. And, you know, it's a learning process and stuff, but also like being able to say you know i'm sorry or encourage your friends to say that they're sorry so that there can be more like healing in the community and you know it becomes like this really huge like reactive thing on both sides and when that happens you're less able to like respond to the situation at hand because everybody's emotions are just like going wild you know and sometimes more hurt can be caused when you have no reference on the how to properly handle something. And, you know, with the goal of healing in mind, I also, like, just personally, I don't believe punishment is a very good way to encourage people to be better. Like, it's shame-based. It's also very capitalistic. And so with goals of healing in mind, it creates a healthier community all around. You got it, sis. <laughs>
Do you want to quote, I think you should leave, or do you want me to? Oh, you can. I mean, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, um, the line from, I think you should leave. I used to be a piece of shit. People can change. It's a funny line in a TV show, but also like both Kendra and I have been very honest about the fact that we've done some do and shit say that, dumb shit. Yeah. That we're not proud of and would definitely not do or say those things now, you know, after however many years and doing this and talking to people and learning. And, and I think that's important. It's like, yes, people can change. Like you don't necessarily have to be judged on one thing that you did or, you know, a couple of things that you did. But at the same time, part of that is also accepting the fact that people do not have to necessarily forgive you for those things. And you have to accept that. It's accountability really sucks sometimes because if somebody's not ready to forgive you, you just got to be like, yep, okay, I'm backing off. Still sorry about that. But, you know, I also have to still continue to try my best. And, you know, if that's the only thing I'm focused on for my entire life, like I need to heal too. So exactly. And yeah, I think that's the the key too is like, removing the taboo or the stigma around the whole conversation because I do think you know from my past I mean this might age me a little bit but if you say someone's an abuser or was abusive that person was considered absolutely awful and I do think that now just talking about it and being more open having these conversations to realize that it is a human trait to hurt people I mean I hate saying that but it's just inherent in us whether it's intentional or not and by opening up that conversation and making it more, I guess, natural and genuine, I think people can be more comfortable with saying like, yes, I've probably hurt people in my past and it doesn't make me a monster. It just makes me human and I need to grow, learn. And my favorite word of Bex is heal. So we hope that this is, you know, opening that conversation to where it's comfortable and also just an approachable way to, to discuss something that's really, really hard to talk about. Um, when we went into it, we were like, how are we even going to do this? You know, like this seems really big and hard to tackle, but, um, I think just starting small, right. I mean, like this podcast is another great example. I love listening to it because it kind of normalizes the discussion of very difficult and painful things, but it makes it something where people feel kind of validated, like I said earlier and accepted and loved and part of a community that cares about these issues and don't you know, don't sweep them under the rug. What's the point? It exists. We need to do something. You know, breaking down those barriers for community support. So not only people that won't be afraid to admit like, hey, I've done something wrong, but also people aren't afraid to support the person in healthy ways that has done something wrong or, you know, in any aspect of it, you know, whether it's the survivor or anything like that. And just breaking down that stigma feel like a lot of these ideas are like kind of stuck at like almost a college level of understanding or reading. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to break it down into more of a like everyday language where anybody could understand it and not be so afraid of it. When people hear the word feminism, unless they're feminists, they get so scared, right? And it's just like not even like understanding like, okay, what is this like history behind it 
all of this stuff and these ideas. I think I read some like bell hooks book at one point, just like acknowledging the almost mystery there is to like feminism and how it's not just like an everyday understanding. And so that was really like a main goal of ours, trying to like read the zine, reread it and just be like, nope, that word is not going to work. Let's break it down a little bit more. <laughs> um, let's make this digestible. Sure, I did like the information dump, but Bridget made it like palatable and very friendly. <laughs> and like, Thank you. <laughs> so, um, which, you know, probably says a lot about both of our personalities. I'm more introverted. Bridget's the extrovert. So <laughs> kind of like really grateful for all of that and everybody that was involved in each little piece that they added to that too. We're hoping it becomes something that people can understand. We'll find out pretty soon, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think another sign that's really good that validates us too is that the city of Grand Rapids backed this project. I don't know if you guys know that, but we received a neighborhood match fund and um, we're super excited about it. It actually required quite a bit of work and we had to track our hours and we have to report uh, back at the end of the project with photos and I don't know how many pages back, a couple pages, hopefully, <laughs> uh, report on what we did. Um, but when we received that grant, we were blown away because honestly, it really just made us realize that this is important work and the city cares, um, which to me is really amazing. I do know there's probably some like ulterior motives to the city wanting to do it, but like, cause I'm, I'm skeptical, you know, but I also never trust like, the government. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hug rock. <laughs> but also like we got free money. So right. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So uh, that's how we paid our artists. We actually um, were able to pay any artists that wanted to be paid. Some of them did donate graciously. Um, actually, I think most of them did. But and that's also going to be funding the printing costs. So essentially, we have not had to raise money on our own or um, do anything because of this grant. So I was incredibly bored by that. I think that that was one of the most validating pieces was you do have that imposter syndrome telling you like, why are you doing this? Is this a mistake? Is this going to be interpreted correctly? Like, what if somebody reads it and thinks this is wrong or awful? But like, then when you receive this validation, it kind of motivated me to keep going forward. And I think Beck can probably echo that as well. <laughs> Oh, definitely. It was like getting that grant. I'm like, is this real? Mm -hmm. Am I being tricked right now? Like, because <laughs> it's like, you know, this for us, this is kind of just like a passion project. Like we weren't, we didn't have a deadline for anything. We're just like, okay, we're going to do this. However long it takes, that's how it takes. Just everybody checking in with themselves about what their capacity is, because we're all busy people. We've got a lot going on. And so this is probably the one of the only projects that I've actually been in where everybody involved is just like able to say like what their limits are what their boundaries are what they are able to do what they aren't and like just being on the inside of a project like that and the way it flowed was just so healthy and to know that you can do things different <laughs> than capitalism does um, yeah also. And then just like, you know, getting the grant was super validating, like, oh, wow, there's people in the city that like actually care and what we're doing matters. And like, I always knew that. But then like, you know, the imposter syndrome, because it's like, feel like you try to talk about it on your own. 
and you're just not heard um, by certain groups of people. And so uh, having the grant was just like, okay, cool. This is for real. And um, we're bringing this idea into reality. And that is awesome. <laughs> and almost can't comprehend it. <laughs> Growing up in the punk and hardcore scene, you always feel like you're railing against the man or like they're always trying to put you down. So to have the support of the city, is this really happening? Like, oh, it is because what you're doing is so important that it sort of breaks through everything. Right. Definitely. It's like this weird dynamic of like, okay, yeah, people are fighting against like the man, but like, we're also like trying to get men to understand that they're being the man. <laughs> um, so we've talked a little bit about the process, the information, the organization. How long did the project take to complete from beginning to end? It's not completely done yet. So Well, <laughs> up until the proposed due date. <laughs> we technically have until August, right, Beck? So, yeah. We didn't have, like, any deadlines or stuff before, but then when we got the grant, we're like, oh, we got to get our shit together. Yep. Um, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Which is kind of good because it's yeah. very easy to just, like, continuously work on something like that forever if you don't have a due date oh, yeah. so if you're like it's never done yeah right totally i think also because we were being perfectionists at least i was like i was gonna ask if you had any perfectionist personalities slowly tweaking all the things yes well, it's hard knowing you could be criticized too that's like <laughs> extremely yeah. daunting just be like <gasps> did i word that right like i hope like you have to take the emotional charge out of a lot of the words one of the people that helped me edit it at the end, basically the last edit was like, okay, what is emotionally charged and what isn't? Because we're trying to model healthy behavior and this one might be a little reactionary, this sentence. Spicy. <laughs> yeah, a little spicy sentence right there. So, I like um, a little spice. <laughs> <laughs> so we really had to like take it down, be more factual about stuff, take the emotional charge out of it because that isn't always the healthiest way to handle stuff. You want to get your point across, but also like in a healthy way. And that was challenging. <laughs> it's almost like you have to remove yourself slightly because both of you, and I'm assuming the other people involved, have had personal experiences with abuse or that. assault. <laughs> and so you have to be able to talk about a thing that has changed your entire life in a way that is neutral. Yeah. We actually had a couple of writers that was extremely instrumental to have writers edit it, not line edits, but actual content edits. Because again, we also wanted to be very cognizant of anybody that would read it. I mean, any age group, any gender identity, you know, we wanted it to be very accessible. So we're aware that we're like a very niche, we're white women that play music. So the community is so much bigger than that. And this does apply to artists and musicians, but it can apply anywhere. I mean, it does the principles carry. But as far as that's concerned, we kind of narrowed down the perfectionism. And I think like what Rich was saying, the grant really helped us kind of focus in and gave us that sort of like kick in the ass that we needed to sort of get it more finished. When did we start back? Would it would it be over a year ago? Almost two years ago. Almost two. See, I lost track, honestly. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yes, but we received the grant um, approval uh, the earlier this year, I believe. Yeah. So essentially that got us kind of focused in and that's when we really started 
recruiting folks. And like I said, we had a lot of different people at different times helping us in different ways. But I foresee this being as much as we're like, we're going to step back. We're tired. Um, yeah. Beck and I have a lifetime friendship now. So I, I foresee this being a forever lifetime. Like I don't think our my work is ever done. Hopefully the zine represents like a little rest for me because uh, I'm tired and organizing is really exhausting. But um, I would say two, two and a half years we're at at this point in time. We've been doing it for a while. Yeah, just to add to like Bridget and the the whole emphasis on being tired, I could be playing guitar, you know what I mean? And so it's just like, <laughs> just like getting back to that. And it's just like, none of this wouldn't ex- have existed in the first place if it wasn't for like playing guitar or being a musician or like any of it. And so it's just like me, like getting back to the focus of like, okay, what was this all about in the first place? Like mm-hmm. me personally and other people not having equal access to this space, whether it's emotionally, you know, in our scene, emotionally or, you know, physically even sometimes. So what I wanted to do is um, we got the idea to create a resource library so that we don't always have to be the go-to people. And so like after the zine, like we want to care for, you know, our readers and the people that are reading the zine. So we want to be like, okay, well, there's a lot of other people that have talked about stuff like this too. And it might not be pointed towards music, but it can still be helpful. Like the topics of verbal abuse or transformative justice or any of the feminism, any of these topics, whether a transformative group comes out of this or not, we recognize like we can't do it all. And there are lots of other people that have put helpful things out there in the world (laughs) and we wanted to just even state like okay no resource is perfect but if you can pick something that you can learn out of a resource and take that in yourself you get still get something out of that resource you don't have to agree with 100% of it you can agree with 90% but as long as you find that little bit that's helpful that matters (laughs) yeah it's done its job if if Yep. If there's even one little snippet of information that somebody learns, then I'm happy, you know. Um, and I love that about the resource library, too, is because we're not recreating the wheel. That was one of the things I was really cognizant about is like, let's not try to rewrite everything that everyone has already told us. Let's try to just make a place for someone who doesn't know what that information is or where to find it and kind of co- put it in a compact little booklet with some fun art make it as accessible and street speak as possible. Like, I hope that's what it does, but then the library carries it further. So it gives our readers a future in that relationship with themselves and us really without having to like field messages and emails because why, why redo work that's already really well done that's out there. That's kind of what our philosophy was with that. And that's very similar to what we sort of do with the subtext episodes. It's like, this information is already out there for you to yeah. find. We're just going to take it and make it a little maybe more digestible for mm-hmm. the yeah. you know casual <laughs> listener. I have a question, not to get um, all capitalist on you. Oh. Um, <laughs> is this something that will be available for people anywhere? Or is this like, will it just be available in Grand Rapids? Or can you like order it online when it comes out? 
So the printed version of the zine is going to be available in Grand Rapids. They're actually having a release show for it. Um, awesome. Are we invited? Rich, are you coming? I don't know. Am I? When is it? Is it in June? It's in June, right? <laughs> yeah, it's June 11 at uh, Fulton Street Pub in Grand Rapids. I have, an, I have another event the night before. I can't. Cancel? Get on a plane? Across <laughs> the lake? It is just across the lake, so. Yeah, all you have to do is go across the lake. You could take the ferry. Great ride. The ferry. I love the ferry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the zine itself is going to be available to download for free on our website that we created. I, which will be linked to the Enough website as soon yeah, as it's up and running. Because I don't. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know what that is right now. In the zine, we do mention if anybody wants to take the zine, we encourage you to plagiarize it. We encourage you to remix. We encourage you to take it for your city and make it your own because while the general information could be useful to everybody, um, at the end of the zine, we have resources specifically to Grand Rapids, and we felt that that was very important for our community. And so we encourage everybody that wants to take this zine. If you don't agree with something in the zine, get a group together in your own community and rewrite that shit and make it so it applies to your own community. Find resources in your community and fucking make it better. <laughs> Please. Along those same lines, is this going to be sort of a living document that you can update in the future if like different information comes out or you like find out new things and you're like, oh, we should have included that. Maybe we can put it in. Or is it sort of like it's done. We have to close the book on it. We do want to continue to care for our readers in the best way we know how. So we do have like a button that you can contact us through email. And if we have time, you know, because we have to, you know, boundaries with this thing. When if and when we have time, we'll, you know, look it over, discuss it and see if we can, if that's something that we can add to the scene. Yeah, honestly, we kind of talked about this too. We were like, how do we keep a boundary here? Because we were talking about creating an Instagram account and I already managed three Instagram accounts and I know how much insane amount of work there is to answer even just questions. So that's why we wanted it to sort of be email us because I feel like that takes a little bit more thought. You know, on Instagram, people just kind of blast you no matter what. Yep. Um, so yep. that's kind of why we're being a little <laughs> cautious about it. Well, I, I think with email too, it, it takes some of the the anger out of it yeah it's more formal in a way people can think on both sides yeah like, what they're like gonna say where, where we share something and someone was like this is disgusting and you're like okay i'm sorry right. you agree. why are you following us because this is the yeah. shit we always post so right and <laughs> also like it opens up a lot of like toxic conversations yes. like i'm on my instagram for this is sounds selfish but i need some time for my own brain and um and we just were not prepared for that. But I think the email will at least give that opportunity for people who really do need to reach out and we can pick and choose. I don't think, like Beck said, we probably aren't going to field every single question immediately just because that's just so much weight on the few of us who've already 
put so much energy into this and time and love and care. That's the thing too, is like, we're still healing ourselves. A lot of us have been going to therapy for a long time. There's some people that haven't, but they've been on their own journey of self-reflection for a long time. And like, given them a stack of books and was like, start here. Here's yeah, the, like, it's seven pretty books. much just like, <laughs> okay, here's some books. Like, I don't have all the answers, but these books might be helpful, you know, type thing. And it's just like, when you're healing, you're still working through your own shit. And it's just like, I don't think healing ever really ends, but it's like you have different capacities at different times to be able to help other people. You know, you might feel a little more energized for a season and then you're, you're working through some stuff for the next that comes up. So it's interesting too. like for me personally, I feel the waves throughout the week where I was like, I can do the most benefit to myself, my job and everyone around me on Monday and half of Tuesday. By Thursday, I am worthless. And I'm you're lucky if you're ever going to get me to respond to your text. Like and then by Friday, I'm checked out. And then like Saturday, Sunday, I'm like, maybe you'll text. I don't know. Did I sleep well? I'm not sure. And then Monday yeah. starts again. I'm like, all right, let's get this shit. Fucking handle it. Let's go. Right. And a lot of us are kind of like doers. I know like I have at least three other projects besides work and I work full time in the air all at all times. So, you know, I think naturally that's the kind of folks that usually organize. They are probably organizing a few other things. So that's the other thing is just maintaining my own mental health, being cognizant that you really can't help anyone unless if you're in a good state yourself you need to be able to recharge you can't burn out work is exhausting in itself there are projects that everyone's part of that cost energy but also give a little bit of life but these conversations even though we want to partake in them and are actively involved in wanting to help you know offer not quite healing but like solutions and you know just open conversations with others they are exceedingly draining even if you want, you are excited to partake, you want to be there for that person. By the time you end that, you need to sit down and be like, whew, all right, I'm going to need to take some time on this one. So, you know, having having that keep coming up, it, it's the battery goes from like three bars down to two and then you have to work and then you're down to like half of a little baby one maybe. And then <laughs> one thing goes wrong and you're like, shut down the internet. I'm done for the day. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And kind of going back to like, making sure you're drawing boundaries and like taking time for yourself. How many drafts have you gone through or like different eyes you've had on this to kind of like get to a point where you're like, okay, I think we're, I think we're, we're almost there. We tried to get as many eyes on it as possible. We tried to make the whole writing and editing process extremely transparent and we tried to be as open to criticism and critiques as possible. And I think just being like aware of like having the desire to be critiqued was helpful too, to keep an open mind. Like, okay, I do need to reword this or like being able to clarify like, okay, I think you're saying this here, but what is your intent behind what you're saying? Because you know, you can say something and then the attention behind it is different. And so lots of clarifying is definitely an exercise in good communication. I mean, basically we did like a rough edit and then a final edit, but like if you count all the edits in between, like four editing sessions, like over Zoom where, you know, we just got together and just went through line by line and we did that multiple times. We tried to ask, you know, a variety of people that 
more different than us, you know, other underrepresented people, if they had the capacity and they wanted to look over the zine, we would really appreciate it um, for critiques and stuff like that. And it's not like we just like started looking people up on Facebook, like our our friends, you know what I mean? (laughs) And just being like, okay, friends, like you might have a different perspective about this than me because I am a white person and I could very well leave out some very uh, important information that another marginalized group might understand better than we do. I'm pretty sure I went through five, six iterations. Like I said, it started huge. And I think that's all, that's my style too. The more you have that you can kind of curate down the better. And so I was grateful that we had that much content, but the person that's helping us print was like, yeah, it probably can't be 60 pages. You guys like, <laughs> like that's a book, not a zine. They're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They did like, say that. They's like, that's a book, not a zine. <laughs> and that's yeah. why we're like, okay, okay, we get it. We get what you're trying to say. You so, are correct. <laughs> yeah. So um <laughs> we ended up kind of having, like I said, we had a couple of writers content edit and Beck took a lot of time meeting with them and then also just line edits, literally punctuation, spelling, capitalization. At this point, we're ready. I know, right? Tag me in. (laughs) Um, And so now we're at the point where we're putting images in. I'm like slowly working on getting the the pages and I'm getting so much joy. The images are like putting the bow on the gift. They They are. I saw some of them and I was just like, oh my gosh, my heart right now. Mm -hmm. Like the art is really like I haven't even seen like. Like Bridget's doing the layout and stuff, the layout editing, and I haven't even seen it, but I've seen a couple pictures and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. (laughs) Yeah. The pictures really like, that was the home run point for me where I was like at the end of my running and I'm like so exhausted and it's just bringing me so much joy to know that we did this. We actually are fucking finishing it. Like it does not feel like it for a while. I was like, is this gonna be a real thing? (laughs) Like. So I would say, I think we edited it at least five or six times, both content and just line edits. But we also had some other voices come in. Uh, One of our sort of committee members is a therapist. So he added some definitions and some technical terms that helped as well. So that was kind of adding bulk. And then we had to re um, kind of curate it back down again. So yeah, it's gone through a few different versions, but I think she's perfect. (laughs) How many pages is it going to be total now? That's at 40 something half pages. Yeah. <laughs> That's yep. still a hefty, yeah. a hefty yeah. zine. Yeah. Big one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very information heavy. We tried to like make some kind of flow, like, you know, here's some basic information, here's some adding to it, adding to it, adding to it. We kind of like try to gently build on like, you know, we have our foundation, no like in the beginning that stuff and then we try to build on those ideas as we go down the zine and um yeah it it was definitely challenging to get it to flow and like figuring out okay what pages go where how do we make sense of this ginormous amount of information (laughs) i think pictures sometimes can say more than words do so really thankful for the art in that too and everybody that i can tell the artists that contributed really put their heart and soul into their pieces and also extremely thankful for that too 
I agree. I did shed a couple tears when I got the art. And oh, same. <laughs> I was like, who am I? I'm not soft like this. What the fuck's going on? But it's your baby. Just, yeah. Like, oh, they're, they're just. You're birthing it into the world. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm just really excited for everybody to see it. I'm just really looking forward to seeing what people say. I'm really a little nervous, too. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I am my worst critic, but. The stuff that I had seen was like very early drafts, I'm sure. So I'm very excited to see it. I'm letting you both know now that you will become the zine ladies. And when you go to shows, like I am the podcast lady, people will drunkenly or soberly, but mostly drunkenly, come up to you and ask you about things at a show during a band while you're trying to watch the band. I guarantee it's going to happen. So I'm going to do exactly what I just told you that people do at shows to both of you. Okay. Oh, God. So <laughs> there is a person in a band who is abusive. There's like five people that have come forward. How do you handle that situation based on the information you're seeing? I have had this happen. So it's I just can speak from my experience. It is really hard to have a friend tell you something that is so detrimental and hurtful. So Really, the first thing I do is just care about the person. That sounds so elementary, but it's just my instinct is to just make sure they're okay. Validate what they're saying. Yeah, and I personally don't really like jumping to like, oh, let's call the cops, because we all know where that goes. Not very far, let's be honest. So for me, that's my first step. And then I try to ask the person, like, what do you need? Like, what do you need from me? Um, because sometimes I like to assume that I know what's up or how I can help, but everybody really is so different and the way that they um, internalize or process the information that's happened to them um, is vastly different. So that's my first two steps. And then from there, I kind of, you know, play it by ear. Like if they need somebody, I'll check on them quite often. Like I'll check in on people every couple of days at first, just to be like, Hey, how are you holding up? What do you need from me again? And just be available as sort of a friend. Also pointing them to professional resources, therapists, you know, that is my number one recommendation for anybody just because I know that I'm not a trained therapist and I know that my trained therapist does wonders for me when I'm going through something like that. So pointing them to a direction where they can find help from somebody that's like licensed, trained, getting paid to help them. Well, and it's also, you know, every situation, like you kind of said, every situation is different. Some people just don't necessarily want you to do anything. They just want to, someone to hear what happened exactly. to them. And sometimes that's enough. And, yep. you know, it's just letting them lead. Yeah. You got to see like what that person wants. You know, I think it goes back to consent also. Sometimes you have to see, okay, like, what do they want? What kind of support do they want? And how you can, like, if they want more support from, like, a greater community, what that looks like for them. You know, survivors don't have all, all the answers immediately. And so it's just, like, sometimes it takes a while to figure out, okay, this is what they want. You know what I mean? And they're still piecing together their story. But also, I think on the other side of it, from transformative justice perspective of you know having support for everybody involved um there is a book that i got a lot of insight from called the creative interventions toolkit and it talks about 
survivor support, what that looks like, support for the people that are supporting survivors, <laughs> support for the person that has done harm, what that looks like, what accountability would look like for them, um, what uh, making amends would look like for them and continuing to work on themselves. And then also support for the people that are supporting the person that did harm. <laughs> so it, it is a community. It's a ripple effect. There's enough. Yeah. It's when one thing happens between, let's say, two people, all of a sudden, a number of people are going to become involved in one way. If it's a band, let's say the singer of a band, then you've got all the band members. You've got the people on that tour. You've got other bands that play with them. Then you've got the person who's dealing with the assault. They've got the friend group that they've confided to, possibly their therapist, their family, whoever else they go to. What was two people is now 20. Yes. And all of them need some sort of support and coaching. And no one knows the answers until people start to kind of figure out what the answers are for themselves on how to move forward. Yeah. And every situation is different. And to be able to hold all of these complex realities and have space for them, because that's really what it is. Like, there's no one answer for these things. Every situation is different. Every different way you're going to handle it in the community is different and also each individual has a different part in what they are able to offer and even like personal you know like having boundaries like okay so maybe the person whether it's the person that does harm or the survivor wants their friend or something to be in this one particular role for them that person might not have the capacity to, to do that, or they might only have the capacity for a certain amount of time. And yep. so we have to try to hold all of these realities, uh, make space for them, and also like understand like some of these things take a very long time. You know, they don't happen overnight, you know, and everybody's own journey into self-awareness looks different. You know, some people get really lucky and they have parents that are self-aware. Though they find it a little easier, they might not know why. So, <laughs> well, I know you say that both of you aren't therapists, but I think with like two more classes on counseling, you could definitely get like certified <laughs> and just go out there into the world and handle this because you're mostly there. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to. Though. <laughs> well, you're good at it, so you don't have a choice. That's how America works. <laughs> I know. One of my therapists is like, have you considered doing any training? I'm like, I have, but I also just really want to play guitar. <laughs> Maybe you could like noodle around while you're talking to someone. Right. I'm like, okay, we'll do this. Like one ear pod in, listening, one listening right. to them. You're like those comedians that play an instrument. You're just, right. this is how I do therapy. I have to play <laughs> play guitar while I'm talking. <laughs> right. When my desire to tour, those days are over. Maybe I'll get creative <laughs> with my playing. You could start a touring practice where you just like find a client in each city that you're in. I know it's hard being a touring musician and it doesn't pay the bills a lot of the time. Here's so an idea for you. just trying to find new <laughs> revenue streams that are also fulfilling. So isn't there like that one guy that like goes for a walk, just goes for walks with people and gets paid really? for it? I need to do something like that. That sounds great. I'll just like play guitar while I walk and listen to them <laughs> and I'll nod. You'll like, like oh yeah, stomps away from being in Mumford and Sons if you do that. <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> Enough is a podcast centering on surviving abuse, harassment, and assault in the music scene. To help get the word out, please like and subscribe and share with your friends. If you have been on the receiving end of harm from someone, be it artist, venue owner, booking agent, audience member, or someone else, 
and would like to share your story on a future episode, please reach out to us at thisisenoughpodcast at gmail.com. All correspondences are kept confidential. <laughs>